Welcome to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. It is a post-game edition, the first post-game edition of the New World Order. Under the bubble in Orlando, the Toronto Raptors victorious in their first game out. Uh, they got it done, G. Uh, it was a, a scrappy effort. Uh, by the way, Carlin Gay alongside Gil McGregor with you. 107-92, the Toronto Raptors and their second-ranked defense in the NBA was on full display, and Kyle Lowry was everything. A lot to talk about in the victory. Uh, let's start first and foremost with the defensive job that the Raptors did because we'll get to Lowry in a second, but defensively, uh, I think the Raptors probably did one of their better jobs than they have all season long, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure, you know. Some one thing we kind of talked about on, on with when we were previewing the game was how they're going to handle things defensively. The first time they played, which seemed like an eternity ago, um, you know they had they did such a great defensive job on LeBron James, held him to 15 points, uh, five for 15 shooting. But Anthony Davis had had a really big game. Um, the first half of this game, it was it wasn't pretty to look at. Uh, I think the score was what 41 to 44. Uh, you know at, at halftime, um, I, I heard them drop a stat. It was the first time all year that neither LeBron Ron or Anthony Davis had double-digit scoring in a game and a half, and Anthony Davis finishes only taking seven shots with, with 14 points. I mean, it seems like they uh, – one thing Nick Nurse talked about in his interview after the third quarter was that they executed their game plan defensively. They were scrambling all over the place, and they just made things difficult for the Lakers. I think that uh, having not played a real game in so long, the effort needed to be there, and it was there. Yeah, it, it was there, and it was there in spades. Right out the opening gate – um, you know, they, they locked in defensively and they really brought it defensively and set the tone and got out early to a 10 0 run, uh, and, you know, forced the Lakers to kind of reevaluate. And then it felt like the Lakers realized that, okay, we're in a fight now after getting punched in the face a couple of times, got themselves back into the game. And it was as physical as a game as we've seen all season long. Like that was playoff type of physicality. Uh, they joked on the ESPN broadcast that, it reminded them of the old 80s games, the old 90s games, where it was really a slugfest. Uh, and these are the type of games that the Raptors of old would have wilted under that sort of pressure and that sort of uh, physicality and given up to, especially a team that features LeBron James, wasn't the case this time around. So um, when, you, when you talk about the defense that they did, the defensive job that they did on LeBron and AD, Two separate jobs, essentially the same sort of scheme that they ran. But who did it affect more, uh, in your opinion? I'm, I'm thinking Anthony Davis. You know, you look at LeBron, he found ways. Like, I, I remember there was a play in the second half where he had Rondé House Jefferson on him. He just went to the basket, kind of flexed his muscles, and was like, you know, I'm LeBron James, I do this. But <laughs> I, I just feel like that's just so uncharacteristic of Anthony Davis to, have only, to go two for seven from the field. Like, you know, if I'm Anthony Davis, I got to take at least 10 shots. And I think that he was a little bit more out of his element, you know, looking at early in the game, you saw him on the perimeter. I saw Pascal Siakam guarding him and, and they threw some different bodies at him. And obviously the schemes you talk about, but there were some other plays where they kind of seemed to make him second guess some things. There was a play again on the ESPN broadcast. They talked about, he gave up a wide open three on the, on the wing pump fake, tried to dribble. And they kind of started overpassing in the second half. And I think that very clearly it, it's not uh, uh, anything other than you thinking through it again, you got to take more than seven shots. You're, you're an all-star. You're a top 10 player in the league. Seven, seven shot attempts is, is not going to cut it. Yeah, he looked disengaged at points uh, during that game. 
Um, on a defensive end, he was still good. You know, he was still Anthony right. Davis. He's, this is a guy that's, you know, probably going to be a finalist for the defensive player of the year award and has a chance of winning it. Uh, but he looked disengaged offensively. And, and you're right. I, I think that had a lot to do with the Raptors swarming, trapping defense. And even when they stopped doing it, he still was looking for it and, and thinking about it. And as you said, passing up open shots, doing things like that, that, um, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, we didn't see on Thursday, for example. We did not see that on from him on Thursday night when he was going up against the Clippers where he had it going and was possibly the best player on the floor uh, in that game. That wasn't the same Anthony Davis that played on Saturday night against the Toronto Raptors. All right, let's get to Kyle Lowry because he's a guy that really uh, won this game for the Raptors because if you look at up the roster up and down, no one other than OG Ananobi, in my opinion, had big games. Like, it was Lowry uh og to a certain extent because of his defense on lebron but Serge didn't really show up mark was kind of non-existent uh van vliet led the team in assists and and led the night in assists uh for the nba overall um but he couldn't find his offense he couldn't find his shot and, and he was getting blocked at the rim a ton but it was kyle lowry who really put the offense on his back and had that swagger that the team needed to get over the hope yeah it's almost poetic you know you talk about the changes over the years with the Raptors franchise and all these things that have happened and that one constant and that one reminder are kind of on the, on the front line of really representing what this franchise is all about is Kyle Lowry. And on a night where you talk about guys struggling to kind of find themselves, guys not having great nights offensively or whatever the case may be, Kyle Lowry is that guy. W- one thing that really stood out to me, I think it might've been like mid to late uh, third quarter going into the fourth quarter. I, I, I think Kyle Lowry was the only guy who had gotten to the line. For, for a big amount of time. He had, he was nine for nine from the line, I think. Um, it was like half of his points at that point in the time. And obviously he did finish with 33 points and hitting big shots. You know, um, there was those times where it seemed like the Raptors were, were floundering a little bit and needed a jolt. And he was right there every time, um, you know, you know the swagger, jawing, uh, talking and, and keeping guys engaged. I think that all those things are sometimes hard to measure. Kyle Lowry does those things. And then tonight, in addition to doing the things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, he did things that did show up in the stat sheet. Let's also talk about his career high 14 rebounds as well. So this is a guy who, you know, is not afraid to do anything, you know, year in, year out, this late in his career, still doing it at a very, very high level. Second time in his career, he's gone 30 and 10 in a game, 33 points, 14 rebounds. As you said, a career high for him, six assists. Uh, He took a couple charges. I mean, the dude was everything on Saturday night for the Toronto Raptors, and they again walk away with the victory over the Lakers in their first of eight games in the Orlando bubble. We remind you, NBA.com is your home for the Toronto Raptors news and news around the NBA in Canada. Head on over to NBA.com. We got your recaps, we got your previews, and we keep you up to date with what's happening for the battle for the eighth seed in the Western Conference, which got a little bit interested. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show uh, after Saturday's games. And some Sunday matchups that may be interesting in the Western Conference uh, with that battle for eighth up for grabs. NBA.com, your home for all Raptors news and more. All right, OG Ananobi had a, a near-perfect night from the field. 23 points, shot 88.9% from the field. He only missed one shot attempt. His two threes, his two back-to-back threes, uh, in the third quarter, when the Raptors, as you mentioned, they were getting stagnant in offense before Lowry took over the game. I think those were probably as big as baskets as you could have asked for at that time because nothing was happening offensively. The Lakers were really locking in 
uh, on the defensive end. They were even getting good defensive efforts from Kyle Kuzma. And OG steps up and finds ways to knock down three-pointers. And that's the difference between OG this year and years past where he's shooting that shot at a 40% clip. Yeah, I think that's big. You know, you kind of talk about guys being an X factor and, and how OG is is very much kind of fits the bill or, or the definition of that prototypical X factor. It's because in those spots like that, when you just need him, it's like you don't need him to do things, you know, consistently or like that long for sustained stretches. But when you need him to hit that big shot, that open shot, need to be to knock those down and also be a threat to do that to make defenses close out. And keep things open and I think that him hitting those shots and having the confidence to step into those shots you know you said he was eight for nine today three for three from three uh finished with 23 points which was a, a big night for him I, I think that you know obviously you can't expect him to go eight for nine every night and, and have 23 points every night but I do think that making plays like that is something that you can expect for him to do you know whether it's him as a spot-up shooter or as a cutter um in addition to his efforts on the defensive end if he can slide into that role and get extremely comfortable in that role, I think that enhances or, or heightens the Raptors' ceiling in the postseason. Yeah, Pascal Siakam uh, still had a decent game. He did a great job defensively on Anthony Davis, guarded LeBron some, 15 points, nine rebounds for him, struggled from the field, just under 30% from the field, but he knocked down two threes. Um, it was another game where he was going up against an elite defense. They are obviously keying on him, and he needed Kyle Lowry and OG. I know he'd be the kind of bail him out offensively um we can as you said you can't expect og we can, we probably expect that from kyle lowry that sort of performance maybe not the scoring output but that level of intensity uh in a, in a big time playoff game og you probably don't expect that a lot you know that from him uh you know for a full seven game series so that means that siakam's gonna have to find ways to produce against really good defenses and we just haven't seen that from him so far this season. Didn't hurt the Raptors today because they got those secondary and third guys going. Uh, and they were able to ride their defense, really, for the most part of the game to keep them in it. But there's going to come a time where Siakam has to figure it out against these elite defenses in the NBA. Mainly, we're talking about the Bucks, the Celtics, down the line in the playoffs. Yeah, it's definitely a cost concern. Obviously, we've been talking about it uh, throughout the year. And you know, it's a big ask, you know, going from being that that second guy last year behind Kawhi to being that guy who relied on on these big stages. Um, it's going to take some time. But, you know, looking at how far he's come, obviously, um, now it's kind of like, OK, we need him to turn that corner, especially um, to get to, to have a chance to repeat. Honestly, um, you know, it's going to be important for him to figure out what to do when teams are scheming and doing things for him. I think that needs to be a, a big time focus for him during these seeding games, because it, you know, it, that's how you can take advantage of having the the most difficult seeding schedule of all teams in, in Orlando. Uh, these games are going to be like playoff games. You're going to face the Bucks. You're going to face the Celtics. You're going to face the Heat while down there. So you have uh, plenty of opportunities to step up in, in those in those moments to where if you kind of can find a groove, then once you get into a playoff series and, and understand what those things are like, uh, you have a chance to, to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Miami Heat, they are up next Monday, August 3rd. Miami Heat uh, will take on the Toronto Raptors. Early start for that one, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, all of you guys who are at work, NBA.com will have the live blog going for you to keep you going if you're not able to get to a television. But if you are, you can catch it on Sportsnet 1 and listen on the radio on TSN. 10 
50. Uh, so, and, and for our listeners in the United States who surprisingly were, were growing in that area, uh, you can watch it on NBA TV, another national game in the United States for Raptor fans to sink their teeth into. Granted, it's not ESPN, but NBA TV still has a nice, you know, uh, you know, sizable household uh, amount there. Uh, so the Heat played on Saturday, their first game out of the gate, and they pounded the Denver Nuggets and did it defensively as well. So expect another defensive battle in Monday's matchup. Um, but how much of the Heat game did you watch? What did you like out of the first uh, game that you saw them play in, the, in this bubble? Saw some bits and pieces. I think one thing you talk about is their defense. Um, you, you talk about uh, Bam doing a lot of things. Uh, we, we've talked about his development as a passer, as a guy who they run offense through. He had six assists. Jimmy Butler had seven assists. And it seems like they picked up where they left off in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it, it's good to see those guys are getting back back healthy. I know they were without uh, Myers Leonard and, and Tyler Hero for a while. Myers Leonard didn't play today, but Hero's back, played 20 minutes as well. Kelly Olenek had a, had a, a crazy fourth wow. quarter, a, a legendary fourth quarter, um, putting himself in elite company with Dwayne Wade with 20 points in the fourth quarter. Um, but just the fact that they kind of came out and made a statement. I know the Nuggets were down three starters, but still they're a solid team. Um, and getting a 20-point win over the Nuggets is definitely nothing to scoff at. And I think one thing that will translate, you talked about the defense, the, the Heat are very uh, – they stick to their principles. They play their way regardless, and, and it's going to be a, a, an ugly game with it being an early tip and two teams who play physical, two teams who are defensive-minded. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm expecting to see on Monday. The Raptors are uh, first in the league in terms of uh, guarding the three-point line. They're only allowing 34% from opponents from three-point range. The Heat knocked down 45% of their shots from long range in their win Saturday, blowing out the Nuggets, and they got shooters all across the board. Uh, that effort that they put forth on the perimeter them being the Raptors tonight against the Lakers. Um, running those guys off the three-point line, they're going to have to bring that same sort of intensity to run, you know, the uh, Duncan Robinsons off the three-point line, the Kendrick Nunns, the Kelly Olenek, who got hot, as you mentioned. Jimmy Butler, you don't have to worry about because he's not having the greatest three-point shooting season, uh, but he, he can still knock it down. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, the three-point line for me is going to be a big uh, watch in that game against the Miami Heat. And if you remember, uh, way back when, uh, under normal circumstances, early in the season, this was a marquee game between two teams that were battling at the time, um, you know, for second place in the Eastern Conference, and it went all the way down to overtime, and Jimmy Butler came up big, was prime time in that overtime period, got the victory for his team, and it felt like... Siakam just did not live up to the level of expectation at that time. That was super early in the season. I think it was in November. So that's a long time ago. It's a different Raptor team. It's a healthier Raptor team. It's a different Pascal Siakam. Uh, I would like to see the team bounce back from that loss. And I know they played them other times in the season, but that was the closest game of, of all. Yeah, I'll say I remember the second game uh, was, was just a really ugly one. Uh, right. That was in, I believe, what was that in? You, you chuck that out to, to, to South Beach. That was a yeah, South Beach loss. Yeah, so that was a South Beach loss. That, that, and it was, a, it was an historic loss. I think the, the Raptors shot six for 42 from three in that one. So you kind of just got to kind of throw that out and, and look at that. But um, definitely, I, I think the Raptors realize that they haven't beaten this team this year and they have an opportunity to do that. So I, I do think they'll have a little bit of an extra edge uh, to go against that. I, I think you saw it today, you know, the, the opportunity to sweep the Lakers this year. And again, 
they say it's not a statement game, but I think the Raptors do hear the disrespect loud and clear and continue to prove themselves over and over again. And it's another opportunity to do that against the Heat. Yeah, and it's a tough Miami Heat team, by the way. Not many people are talking about the Heat going deep into the playoffs, but they have matchups that could really cause a lot of teams problems. Uh, they're big when they need to be. They have a lot of guys that can guard the perimeter. So it'll be an interesting matchup to see Miami and Toronto. Sportsnet 1 on Monday, 1.30 p.m., Eastern time and TSN 1050 on the radio side. Of course, again, the live blog will be popping on NBA.com. All right, let's whoop around the league for some of the other results uh, because we saw uh, the two games I really want to talk about. I know the Thunder play today and, and, and Shea looks great. Shout out to the Canadian. But uh, I really want to talk about the Pelicans because that's 0 for 2 now. They look bad. Um, they, they got trounced by the Clippers. Like they didn't even get off the bus in this game against the Clippers. Zion once again held to just 14 minutes of play, seven points, five rebounds for him. They're now 0 for 2. And again, they just have to have be within four games of eighth seed to be in the play-in tournament. That's still very much doable regardless of whether how they started. But they don't look good right now. Yeah, it seemed like they lost two games on Thursday. You know, they they lost on Thursday and and they came out today and the opposite of what the Clippers happened to the Clippers. The Clippers lost a close one on Thursday and they came out on a mission. Obviously, they're an elite team, a title contender, but the Pelicans need to have a sense of urgency every game. They lost a close game on, on Thursday and it, and it happens with young teams. They just came out and and, and just didn't have much of an effort. Uh, they, they had 45 points at the half, and the Clippers had more points from beyond the arc than the Pelicans had total in, in the first half of play. And they gave up a franchise record 25 three-pointers. And you just got to have a higher higher sense of urgency than that. I, I, I realize they're a young team. They do have some vets in Derek Favors and J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday, who only had four points in the game. Um, but I, it's it's tough for them now. They, they do have an easy schedule on, on the way out. They, they could very well win the last six games down there. But one thing you mentioned, they have to finish within four games of eight, but they also have to be in ninth place. And right now, Portland and San Antonio and Sacramento are all ahead of them. And they have to get some help from other teams, from these teams now. And, and it's really looking like that that loss to Utah is going to come back to haunt. Yeah, they uh, the loss drops them down to the 12th spot in the Western Conference. Four games out of the eighth seed, two and a half games out of the ninth seed with six games left. But up next for them is a big one on Monday as well. Uh, they'll be taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. That's probably the big, it's the biggest game of the year. Not probably. It's the biggest game of the year for the Pelicans. Let's see if they allow Zion to, to go over that minutes restriction. Uh, and then last but not least, let's get the shout out here to your boy, TJ Warren. 53 points in a victory over the 76ers. Uh, go ahead. Man, your man. That's your man. guy. It's, that's my guy. Then we go back to 2011, uh, Brewster Academy, Class 2012 National Champs. Just to see him continue to, to do this, you know, level after level, he was doing it in prep school. You know, you look down and look up, he's got 32. He, he had a couple 40-point games with his NC State, was ACC Player of the Year. And now to see them in a, in a huge game, you know, they entered the night tied in the standings with Philadelphia. They were without Brogdon, without um, Sabonis, down two starters at and he comes out 19 points in the first quarter, being guarded by an all-league defender in Ben Simmons. And, and it, I thought it might taper off, or I was a little worried it might taper off, but finishes with 53 points, including some really big buckets down the stretch. And now they have a, a game lead over the, the Sixers in the standings and also win the season series 3-1. So the Sixers have to finish a full game ahead of the Pacers in the standings to move up in the, in, in, in the East. And 
you know, the Sixers might want to finish six to play Boston in the first round, but maybe that's not what they want. Uh, maybe they would have been better off playing Miami in the first round, but um, Indiana definitely looks like they can continue to hopefully ride his hot hand. And it's, it's definitely really, really fun to see him uh, continue to grow as a player. He was, you know, traded to Indiana for, for nothing seemingly. And, and I'm sure Phoenix might be kicking themselves a little bit for, <laughs> for letting him go for, for next to nothing. Um, but it'll be exciting to see uh, how the Pacers continue to finish. They have some more big games ahead, and they do play the, the Pacers. I mean, they play the Heat uh, before before this is over as well. So he gets to kind of relive that rivalry with Jimmy Butler as well. So it'll be fun to see the Pacers um, compete in the postseason, whether it's against the Heat or against the Celtics or wherever they finish. Uh, but I, I expect more big scoring games from him for sure. Yeah, and he took a lot of pressure. This is going kind of unnoticed, but he took a lot of pressure off of Victor Oladipo, who finally decided that he was going to play in these seeding games. Uh, started today, played 32 minutes, had 15 points, 6 of 14 from the field. He's just not in Victor yet. He's just not back to the dude that he was prior to the injury. So having TJ Warren take over and be the go-to offensive scorer while Vic is slowly working himself back in. And as you said, Sabonis is not there. Brogdon, we don't know when he's going to get back into the lineup. That was an important, and it was a, a 53 that they needed, not only just to win the game, but it's a sign to show that, hey, don't worry. You know, we're missing a lot of offensive scoring punch, but I got some here. So shout out to TJ Warren for getting that done. On the other side, uh, 41 and 21 for Joel Embiid. He was phenomenal. But he also cheated out, chewed out one of his teammates. You know, Shake Milton gets his start. Uh, we, we have the new regime of Ben Simmons playing the four. Shake Milton's getting some some minutes. And Embiid yells at him, and we don't see him anymore. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about the other end of it. Is, is it time to be concerned about the Sixers again? You know, we had this positive outlook. You know, they don't have to play road games anymore. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're, trying, they're trying new things in, in the lineup. Are they going to figure it out? You know, this is the team that has the biggest gap between their ceiling and their floor. And, you know, they had a chance to win this game, but at the same time, there's no way you should consider yourself to be a contender to, to make a deep run in the postseason, postseason and lose to a team that's down two starters and give up 46 points in the fourth quarter, and you consider yourself to be a top 10 defense in the league. They've got some things they need to figure out. Um, it's also crazy. Look, Joel Embiid was plus 21 in the box score, and, and they still managed to lose by six points. Um, he was phenomenal. It seems like his game doesn't get talked about that much because TJ has such a great game. Um, but, man, you know, it's, it's like there's so many more questions kind of rise up again about the Sixers. And the crazy thing about them is they could have a game you know, two games down the line that makes us forget about this. We just don't know which version of the team we're going to see show up. But until then, the jury's going to be out on them. Well, they better figure it out because they got seven games before the playoffs start. And the way Boston has started so far, uh, I, I don't know that you want to see them. I know Boston lost to Milwaukee in their first game, but they, that was a tough game. That was a playoff-type game uh, for the Celtics to to get their start on. They have the Blazers up next on Sunday. So by the time you're listening to this, it might actually already be in action or already in the books. Uh, but the uh, Celtics mean business. They're, they're ready to go. Maybe Kemba Walker is probably the only thing really holding them back. He needs to get into shape and get back to being the all-star point guard that we know him to be. So uh, Brett Brown, man, that seat is – that seat's – it's, I it's see as hot as Kyle Lowry it, 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 was tonight. Yeah, yeah, it, it's getting hot. It's getting hot. Yeah, it, it, it's not looking good uh, for, for the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, uh, we will be back next week with our regular pod. Again, we won't have a preview pod for the uh, Miami game because the game's so early on Monday. 
Uh, so I'll ask you our regular preview pod question, which is give me one X factor, either team, doesn't matter who it is, uh, that you're looking for in the game um, at, on Monday. Man, you know, I, I almost it feels like it feels kind of weird saying the All Stars and X Factor, but I do want to see Pascal Siakam uh, kind of show up against a, an elite defense in Miami. Uh, you know, I remember back when they met uh, the Heat in, in December or wherever it was earlier in the season. We kind of had that, you know, uh, who would you take, Jimmy Butler or Pascal Siakam type thing. And, and after Jimmy Butler kind of showed up in that overtime performance, it was almost like it was a question that you shouldn't need to ask. I think that he needs to address those concerns or, or have a resounding answer to that question and, and prove that he's just as worthy of an all-star selection as Jimmy Butler and, and play on that level. I think it'll be an intense matchup, and I think that he's the key because in those moments when the defense is kind of get you out of your, 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 your actions or whatever, you need a guy who can break you down and get a bucket. And if, if he can do that you know, a couple times, I think that the Raptors have a good shot to win. Uh, I'm, I need a game out of Serge. Serge uh, was in foul trouble all night on Saturday. 19 minutes, came off the bench. Mark's back in the lineup now, so he's back to regular schedule of programming. And it didn't really work out for him uh, on Saturday night. Four points, four rebounds. He, he didn't feel like he made much of an impact on the game. Like, if, if you blinked, you probably missed what he was able to do other than the one block he had at the rim. Um, it wasn't the surge that we were seeing in the, in the scrimmages leading up. It was, uh, it was a surge that was trying to find himself, and we thought he, we, he had already found himself. We thought he had already been in midseason form or, or back to getting into to, you know, full-season form, but that wasn't the case on Saturday night. So see if Serge can get back with the early start uh, on Monday. Again, 1.30 is the game. It's on Sportsnet 1, TSN 10.50. The live blog will be popping on NBA.com, and we'll be back on the other end of it for a post-game show with the Raptors and Miami Heat. For Gil McGregor, I'm Carlin Gay. Enjoy your day, night, or morning whenever you're listening to this Raptors victorious over the Los Angeles Lakers.